Uh, we are in Matthew, the 15th chapter. We're going through the entire Gospel of Matthew, one verse at a time. We are at verse 10. Give you a little context here. Uh, what has just happened is the Pharisees, the religious rulers of the day, had come to Jesus and they were all out of sorts because their disciples, his disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate and they were just mortified by that. How can you, how can you neglect this tradition of washing your hands? Because they were absolutely convinced that if, you know, what went into you is what, you know, polluted you. And uh, so Jesus' response to that was, look, you're worried about your stupid tradition. You guys violate the scriptures by, you know, the way you twist the Bible. And he specifically addressed the commandment that says, honor your father and mother, which meant to be able to support them financially. The Pharisees had come into, yeah, remember, they didn't have social security or anything. Social security back in that day was have lots of babies because <laughs> they would take care of you later. And they're supposed to honor them um, and, uh, in, in doing so. And what the Pharisees did said, well, if you give the money to us, then because you gave it to God, then you don't have to give it to your parents. And Jesus was really ticked by that. But all of this was setting off this thing about washing your hands. So we pick it up at verse 10. So Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Now, in all fairness to the Pharisees, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but, you know, these guys were crazy. But you have to admit, reading the Old Testament, it's really easy to come away with the sense that what goes into your mouth is what messes you up because they were so strict about what they ate and what they didn't eat and food had to be this way and that way. That's the whole kosher thing that comes from. If it's kosher, you know, then it's been handled properly. If it's not, it's not kosher and da 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 So they were really, 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 really strict about all of that. So all the Old Testament rules and stuff, it was quite stunning. Uh, so, you know, as crazy as these Pharisees were, at least there you got to cut them some slack because it's, it's easy to get that sense, you know, because they were so strict about what to eat and what not to eat and stuff like that. And then Jesus has to say to them, look, guys, what goes into your mouth is what, not what defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that gets you in trouble. Anybody ever notice that? <laughs> and all the husbands said, amen. Yes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How can you say that? I don't know, I'm a man, that's what I say. So uh, we get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. In fact, James, the apostle James writes in his thing, he says, you need to be careful what comes out of your mouth. It can change the course of your life. And this is true. Uh, if you're not careful what you say, all of a sudden, man, you're steering in a whole different direction because of what you said, ticked a bunch of people off. And, you know, for example, tell your boss to stuff it. It will change the course of your life. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> be careful. Well, then the disciples come to him and say, you know, the Pharisees were offended when they heard this because they were so into, you know, I can't believe they're not cleaning their hands. They're so important. You know, you'll defy yourself. Jesus, it doesn't matter. And he says, you know, the Pharisees were ticked off when you, when you said this to him, to them. And he says, look, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. He was very dismissive of them. He didn't like them. They didn't like him. Uh, it's eventually the Pharisees who orchestrate the crucifixion of Jesus. It wasn't the Romans. 
you know, or any such thing. In fact, it was the Roman leaders, they were trying to let him go, remember? And they're all screaming, crucify him, crucify him, all orchestrated by the Pharisees. They hated him with an unbelievable passion because he, you know, was a challenge to their authority and building their egos and their own little self-righteous kingdom that they built up. And Jesus came around and just basically said it's all a bunch of nonsense and they were freaking out. And he actually tells them, coming up, don't listen to these guys. <laughs> Well, that's kind of insulting if you're the guy who loves to tell everybody what to do. And this guy's going around and says, don't listen to these guys. Says, oh. I mean, so they were really, really ticked. So he says, just leave them. He says, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. This is where you get the phrase, the blind leading the blind. Pretty familiar phrase in English culture. It comes from the Bible. Jesus is the one who said that. The blind leading the blind. People who don't know where they're going leading people who don't know where they're going. They both fall into a ditch. Reminds me of Washington, D.C. <laughs> Seriously, you turn on the TV, it's like watching an episode of Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> These guys right now, they're all going to fix our financial problems. They created them, but now they're going to fix them, yeah. It's like the guy who robbed your house putting in your security system. Yeah, let's hire those guys. <laughs> Good grief. So anyway, Peter comes up to him and says, explain the parable to us. Well, you have to understand, Jesus didn't tell him a parable. He assumed it had to be a parable because Jesus was often talking in phrases and stuff that they didn't understand. Now, they get to the point where the disciples are afraid to ask him anything, the Bible says. Why? Because <laughs> he'd slap them when they wouldn't get it, you know. They're so locked into this idea of being careful what you eat. Even Peter, years later, when the Lord comes and starts to reveal to them that the gospel, this wonderful thing of Christianity, is for everybody in the world, um, that was a shocker to them. When Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, they thought go into all the world to all the Jewish people. That's what they thought. They didn't really catch, surely he didn't mean everybody, because even when Jesus was there, they didn't do anything with the Gentiles. Remember when Jesus sent them out two by two to preach? He said, don't go to anybody but Israel. Israelites. Do not talk to the, to the uh, Gentiles. And this was very, we're about to see a real strong story where Jesus didn't want to help a woman who was not Jewish. I mean, this was very, very strong. So he figured you know, surely there must be something, a story, some hidden meaning in here because he can't possibly mean what he's meaning. So, you know, Jesus would tell parables, they wouldn't get her, and he would talk in plain language, and they still think he was talking in a parable. So anyway, Peter says, well, explain this parable to us. <laughs> Jesus says, what are you, dance? <laughs> are you still so dull? You can see why they got to a point where they're afraid to ask him anything. It's like being in a class and say, teacher, I don't understand. What are you, dense? You quit raising your hand. And that's the eventual hand. Why are you so dull? How can you not get this? This wasn't a parable. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. And he goes through the list. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Now this is basic Christian morality. Something that still is to be in play 
today. Oftentimes you hear, you know, well, we don't live by the law. We're free from the law. Well, this is true. All those Old Testament rules about what to eat and when you can work and when you couldn't do it and all stuff like that. You know, they never mention these things. Never mention the Sabbath. Don't mention anything. But always this simple list of basic morality is repeated over and over and over again throughout the New Testament. Um, when they talk about the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit, this list was there. Uh, uh, Paul had the strongest statement when he said this. He says, I've warned you before and I'm warning you again. Those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty strong statements. Uh, they point out, John basically points out, look, if you live by love, you fulfill these requirements. Because if you love your neighbor, you don't kill him, you don't take his wife, you don't lie, slander, cheat, all this stuff. So love is a fulfillment of these basic Christian morals. But we need these basic Christian morals. The idea, and not everybody agrees with it, but if you don't agree with me, get in line. But this idea that because we live in grace, you can do anything, lie, cheat, commit, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, they're crazy. And we'll see someday who's right on this deal. But this list of basic Christian morality is very, very strong. And again, what Paul said about it was really uh, very strong. We need to care for these things. All these other Old Testament laws, we don't live by those. And those aren't really affected by love, you know. You know, whether or not you eat a ham sandwich has nothing to do with love. Unless you love the pig, I guess. You know. It's important to him. Anyway, so he says... Uh, these are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So, hopefully they get it. Now he says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman, now that doesn't mean anything to us, but this is important because she is a non-Jew. Okay, again, this was a big deal. The single biggest challenge to the Christian faith in the beginning was the idea that you could be non-Jewish and still come to Jesus. They were open to that, but they thought you in essence had to become Jewish first, okay? That was the thing. And when you read through the New Testament, that was the big argument that they had over and over again. They called it the circumcision because you had to get circumcised to become Jewish. And they argued, well, if you come to Jesus, you have to get circumcised because you have to obey all these Old Testament laws. And they basically said, no, you don't. And they finally said, no, you don't. And God revealed to them, no, you don't. And People just had a fit about it, of course, the Jews. Um, little known fact, people often say that the Jews could not accept Jesus as the Messiah. That's not true. They didn't have a problem with Jesus as the Messiah. In fact, when they preach in the book of Acts and they're preaching to the Jews, they talk about God anointing Jesus to heal and to preach and how they crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. They don't have a problem with any of it. It's not until they said, and now we can preach the gospel to the Gentiles who don't have to obey these rules. Now that's when they went crazy. That's when they would start stoning them and freaking out whenever they got to that point. It wasn't they couldn't handle Jesus as the Messiah. It was that the idea that we could come to God without obeying all those rules. These oppressive rules, you think they'd been happy to let them go, but they fell in love with the very things that were making them miserable and, uh, and they wouldn't let go of it. So it was a big deal. So anyway, all that to say that this was really entrenched in them. And it wasn't until Jesus had gone into heaven and then began to reveal to them in visions and speaking to them that they now to preach the gospel to all of us. Which is, we don't have to obey all those rules. You don't have to get circumcised to believe in Jesus. Thank God it's hard enough to get people to come to church. 
<laughs> I'd like to have to sell that deal. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so never mind. Moving on. <laughs> so anyway, it's a Canaanite woman. And up to this point, again, it wasn't until after Jesus' resurrection that the doors were open for everybody. The reason for that, the Bible says Jesus came to his own. He came to fulfill the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were called the chosen people for a reason. And in fact, even in the New Testament, when you read about it, oftentimes you'll hear statements, read statements like, salvation is to the Jew first and then also to the non-Jew, which is us. It got, they got preference, okay? Not that they got to a higher state of heaven than us. It's just that this, they were supposed to be presented. And whenever they would go into a area to preach, they would start at the Jewish synagogue. They'd preach to them. And then they'd turn around and start preaching to other people, just out of respect and stuff like that. So it was a big deal. Again, none of this is in play at this point. At this point, Jesus has just focused on the Jews, told his disciples, when you go preach, don't talk to the Gentiles, just talk to the Jews. So here comes this Canaanite woman. Okay, something you wouldn't catch. But. So she comes from that vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, comes to him crying out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And verse 23, Jesus ignores her. Doesn't answer a word. So that his disciples came to him and urged him, <laughs> tell her to go away. <laughs> She's really irritating. Apparently, she wouldn't quit. Now, I don't know how many times she had to repeat this before it got really irritating, but it got irritating, certainly to these men. If it was women, they probably would have not gotten so irritated so fast. Women have a high tolerance for these sorts of things. It's like you watch a little kid next to his mother going, Mom, 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 Mom. And the mom keeps talking, just like, answer the kid, he's driving me crazy. Mom, 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 mom. It's like they don't even hear it, you know. Great patience. God bless you all. I don't know how you do it. These clearly were not mothers. But I don't know how long she kept going. Help me, help me, help me, help me. And Jesus ignoring her. Help me, help me, help me, help me. This lady, you got to hand to the lady. She wouldn't give up. She was determined. So the disciples said, please. Get rid of her. She's obnoxious. And then Jesus addresses and says, look, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But the woman would not relent. She comes, kneels before him and says, Lord, help me. This is after who knows how long. Of, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. And then Jesus looks at her and gives her these encouraging words. It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He basically calls her a dog. Not basically, he calls her a dog. I mean, this is highly insulting. I mean, but this lady would not relent. She was like a little chihuahua. Just, just you know, and you gotta have some of that in you. If you're gonna really succeed with God, you gotta have that yippee dog spirit in you. I hate those stupid dogs. My sister has a stupid little yippy dog. Freaks the willies out of me. <laughs> They're visiting, you know. I'm not used to the stupid little yippy dog. I'm walking on quietly in the house by myself, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh! <laughs> Shut up, you stupid dog! It's my house! <laughs> First, you gotta hand it to little yippy dogs. They don't know they're little, they think they're big. 
they see a great dame, they think they're looking in the mirror. (laughs) Man, they're scarier than the big dogs. Good grief. And this lady, she's just a chihuahua. And she won't stop. She's driving the disciples crazy. Jesus is calling her a dog. Go away, dog. And she won't stop. And he says, it's not right to toss her to a dog. She says, yeah, Lord. But even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus goes, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Now, the good news is, this was a unique time and period. Jesus doesn't think you're a dog, okay? Uh, He loves you, and he cares about you, and he will answer your prayers. But sometimes, you got to get in a place where you don't get so discouraged so quickly. Some people discourage very, very quickly. They don't get the answer. They oh, pastor, God doesn't care. I've been praying. How long have you been praying? Three days. Really? Hang in there. Don't give up. Get some of that in you. And hang on and get determined and just keep pressing through all the doubts and the setbacks and everything and trust God. Don't just give up. All right. So, then we get to this next section and we'll end with this. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee and he went on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came up to him bringing uh, the lame, uh, the blind, the crippled, the mute and others, and they laid him at his feet, and he healed them. Well, this had to be just wild to watch, wouldn't you think? Man, and certainly it was wild for them, and it says the Bible, uh, the Bible says the people were amazed. When they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. They were, I mean, being around Jesus was like, wow! And they were so caught up in this. They were there for three days, nonstop, and uh, without anything to eat. Uh, Clearly, they were not Americans. (laughs) Two hours, we'd be dying. Ah, where's the McDonald's? (laughs) So Jesus calls the disciples to him and said, you know, I I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way. Why? Because they haven't eaten in three days. All right, well, his disciples said, well, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? Now, these are the same Nimrods who just a page back saw Jesus feed thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and some fish. You would think, oh, these guys were a little slow, to say the least. It's like, ugh, no wonder he's yelling at them half the time. They just saw this miracle. Thousands of people. What did he do? Whew. So he says, you know, they haven't eaten. We need to feed these people. I'm pretty sure you and I would have went, here, do it again. You know? Right? Wouldn't you think that? Oh, cool, guys, watch. He's going to do it again. But they don't get it. It's like, duh, 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 duh. So they go. Well, how are we going to feed all these people? So Jesus says, how many loaves do you have, boys? And they said, seven and a few small fish. And then he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he took the seven loaves and fish, 
And he'd given things, he broke them, gave it to the disciples, and then they turned to the people, and it just never ran out. And they just kept going, going, and they all ate, were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, besides women and children, were the thousands upon thousands of people. And after Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got in the boat and went to this vicinity of Magadan, Magadan, whatever, I don't know. It's just south of Madison. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so now, what we don't see here uh, in the uh, Gospel of uh, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were pretty consistent and pretty much hitting the same basic points. As I pointed out to you a week or so ago, you know, the Bible is not a collection of stories. Uh, these guys didn't tell stories. If this is a collection of stories, they are the worst storytellers in the world. I mean, if you tell a story, it has some drama, you know, you know, Lord of the Rings, that's a story, you know, with all the detail and stuff like that. Lord of the Rings wasn't, you know, once there was a troll who found a ring, but some hobbits threw in the fire, the end. You know, that's, that's a lousy story, okay? Now, that's kind of how the Bible would have told it. They just told the facts. I think intentionally so they could never be accused of saying, I'm telling a bunch of stories. They often just told the facts. Beep, 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 this is what happened. And there's a million questions that we all get when we're reading this. Well, what about this, this, this? They didn't answer it. They weren't trying to fill in all the details. Now, John, the Gospel, when you get to the Gospel of John, he tends to fill in more of the details. Uh, but even he admits, he says, I didn't write everything. And then he speaks in hyperbole. He says, I don't think the books of the world could hold everything Jesus said, which you know, wasn't literal, but you know, it's just so many things. But he did fill in a little bit more. Um, he did show much more of the warm and fuzzy side of Jesus, but even John still, while showing the warm and fuzzy side of Jesus, showed that he was extremely strong. I mean, look at how he's dealing with these people. Look how he deals with the Pharisees. Look at this lady. You know, he didn't want to help her, ignores her. I mean, Jesus was not this limp-wristed, you know, hippie smoking marijuana, going, peace, man, I love everybody, you know. He was pretty strong, very much in people's faces, and told them, you need to live a certain way, something the Christian church has gotten very far away from. We today, just to pay, everybody needs to believe. Well, yeah, it starts with that, but Jesus said, go into all the world, teaching them to obey what I told you to obey. Most people, sadly, don't know what Jesus told them to obey. That's why we're reading this. We see he had certain things. Do this, don't do that, you know. Having a problem with your hand, cut it off. I mean, he was pretty strong, all right? Now, what we don't see that... In this point in the gospel story, John talks about. Apparently now, there's a shift in the mood of the people. They stop following Jesus because of the miracles and because of the word of God that he speaks. Now they're following him because of the free lunches. That's why they're following him. And then he addresses the crowd and really gets in their face. Now, you, you've all heard that scripture, I am the bread of life. Right, we're like, I'm the bread of life. You know, it's all such a warm and fuzzy. It wasn't warm and fuzzy when he was, he's yelling at these people. You with the bread, you with the sandwich, you guys want to eat. Hey, I'm the bread of life. And then he tells them, unless you eat of this, you'll have no life in you. And the Bible says at that point, the crowds really diminish. They didn't want that. They didn't want that. Now, we don't see this. Matthew doesn't point this out. There's continued people that do follow him and stuff like that. But the big yo mama mega crowds start to really dis diminish at this point because he starts to really get in their faces because they have shifted away from what was really important. And now they're just thinking about 
wow, you hang out with this guy, you get free food. Which the lesson for us in closing this morning is this. You have to understand that if you want something from God, yes, you need to have that chihuahua kind of faith where you just really are gonna be persistent and trust God and stand in firm belief. But you can never get so obsessed by the gift that you forget about the giver. Oftentimes, we're more interested in the gift than the giver. And in Christianity, when you cross that line, the gifts stop coming. I don't care what kind of a chihuahua you are, you're not gonna get your answer. You can't be so obsessed by what you want. And I need this, God, I need this, God. This is more important to you than God himself. When you cross that line, boys and girls, listen to me, escúchame, all right? You do that, your prayers are going to stop. One of the reasons why you guys don't get answers in your prayers is because you're so obsessed by what you want. I know you need it. Jesus said, God knows what you need. He'll give you what you need, but you can't get so obsessed by it. And I know people live there. I know, because just, just the way they talk to me, you know. Oh, pastor, you must be so happy, you know, that such and such happened. Or you must be so sad that such and such happened. I, no. Pastor, you must be so unhappy because your wife is sick. Well, we don't like that she wasn't sick, but it, no, I still had the same joy I had before. Pastor, you must be so happy now that she's well. I'm thrilled that she's well, but my state of joy is pretty much the same. Why? That doesn't affect what's in here. This is connected to what's happening up there. Pastor, you must be so unhappy that your house that for 10 years hasn't sold. It was irritating, but I wasn't unhappy. Pastor, you must be so happy now that your house sold. No. Well, when people talk to me that way, I always feel sad for them. I don't say anything because I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> but I'm thinking, seriously? This is how you live? Oh, if this happens, oh, no, I'm happy. And then, oh, no, I'm not happy. Ah! Stop. Why doesn't God answer more of my prayers? You're so focused on this stuff. Stop being so focused on this. If you'll get your attention here, you'll see the stuff starts to change. And you know what? When it changes, you'll enjoy it, but it's never your focus. The people who don't get the stuff change are the ones who are just, <laughs> they're so obsessed by this. Whatever happens to them sucks the life out of them if it's bad or makes them happy if it's going well. And their whole life, Stop living that way. Lock into Jesus. Your joy should be like this. Climbing, actually. And then life will go, ah, 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 ah. I'm telling you, this is so key. If you will get this, it'll change your life. If you don't get it, your life will constantly be like, oh, Pastor, I'm so, my boyfriend dumped me. My life is horrible. My life is so horrible. He dumped me. Ah! I'd have dumped you too. Good grief. You know, quit being a psycho, for heaven's sakes. And by the way, you single, especially you single girls, that's mostly, you know. You need a man to make you happy? <laughs> Pass, if I can just find the right man, I'll be happy. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> Why? Because we will irritate you, is what we do. Marriage was never designed to make you happy. Good Lord. Marriage will pretty much make you unhappy. Right? You're happy, then he irritates you. Now you're not happy. 
And you get right, and then she irritates you. Now you're not happy. This is this, we're constantly doing this the whole time. And you build a life together. It's not about, you just need to be happy in the first place. If you think I'm going to be unhappy, lonely, miserable, and I need to find someone else, oh, good Lord, stay single. That's all I got to say. Let's, let's pray. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word and the truths of your word this morning, Lord, as we look into the scriptures. Help us, to num- number one, understand it's not what goes into our mouths that gives us problems, though some of us could watch that as well, but it's stuff that comes out. Help us to be more conscious of what we say to people around us, speak words of life and not death. Secondly, Lord, help us to be people who will be consistent and aggressive in our faith and not get discouraged even when we feel like a dog. And finally, most importantly, Lord, help us to keep our focus on the giver and not the gift. We thank you that you will give us good things, that you will bless us, that you will answer our prayers. But Father, we understand that you are the Lord and there shall be no other gods in front of you. Help us never to get so focused on the things in life that it sucks the joy out of us. Help us to be people that live not just naturally, but supernaturally, that our joy is separate from what happens in the circumstances of our life. Big truth, hard to understand, but I pray that you'll make it clear to us as we continue to grow in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Bless you.